Hey everybody, I'm Nina T and this is Kid Like Faith. On this week's episode, we're going to travel from London to Virginia and it's going to be a quite a journey just around the river bend. I hope you're ready to see some colors in the wind. And if you're not, I hope you get ready because this is going to be a journey and a great adventure. So let's do this. Let's have some fun. And I hope you're paying attention because there are so many gems in this week's episode of Disney's Pocahontas. All right, everybody. So you know how we like to start this. We started at the beginning, right? So at the beginning of this story, it is a song. It starts off with a song. And we know that this is not the historical um, view of the um, in, uh, Native Americans as well as um, the exploration of the new land. But we're going to approach this as the movie and pull our faith gems from the movie. And so what I'll be expressing here are actual things that we saw in this movie Pocahontas, right? So in the beginning of this movie, um, we see the song about what is going to be the mission of exploring this new world. Now, what I immediately noticed is that there were men that signed up to go away from their families, to leave their mothers, fathers, wives, children, um, siblings, all of those things in order to become a part of the mission. Now, it would be fine if they were just going to explore new territory, um, if they were going to explore something great about a new area to bring a wellness to a new area, but that wasn't why they were going. The song that they sung in the beginning talks about the real reason why they wanted to go to this new land. And it was to find gold. Um, They were thinking, and even in the song, they say that we heard that this area is like heaven and that their access to gold, right? Because in heaven, streets are paved with gold is what we read, right? And so their access to this new land is immediate access to riches in their mind. And so they say stuff like, The land is like heaven, right? The silver lakes, there are nuggets and spoils. There are so much that they'll be able to take home and get for their children. And they'll have more than enough to spare to give to um, the, the government or whatever. But they'll take most of it to make sure that they are wealthy because they're taking the journey to become wealthy. Not to improve the land, not to even represent the comp or the the country where they're from, London, but they're going to make a name for themselves. 
they say three G's. They're looking for God or they're going to bring God. They're going to receive glory and they're also going to um, receive gold. So they're looking at riches, glory, and they're also going to bring over their custom as to what their God is to the land, this new land, no matter who is over there. And unfortunately, there are a lot of people who sign up for missions with the and and even opportunities with the mindset of this is going to bring me notoriety. This is going to set me before great men. This opportunity is the one that's going to bring bring me the most success and the most riches. But if that's what you're chasing, you will always be unfulfilled because the space of riches is not necessarily um, a space that is occupied to stay. Um, But the the place of purpose will make sure that not only you complete the assignment, but the provision is attached to the place of purpose. So before you, you know, try to put your hang, hang your head up in a place of uh, riches, you might actually want to look for purpose. If you can find a purpose that is not self-ambition, it's not to bring glory to you, but if you can find the purpose of God in a thing, then you can find the wealth of God. Then you can find the unlimited access. You can find all of that stuff because the Bible tells us in Matthew 6, 33, that if you seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, which means his way of doing things, then all these other things that includes provision, that includes wealth, that includes the riches, all of that other stuff can be added. It will be added. It just comes natural. But when you go after seeking the stuff, then you got to maintain the stuff. Then you've got to constantly, uh, crowd and and steal and and decide how you're going to be able to attain more and more and more because you'll never ever be satisfied just going with the mission of being notable, being famous and being rich. So we see that John Smith is a very well known. His reputation is that he is an explorer. He has gone to many new lands and he has faced many Native Americans and um, and they call them Indians, but you know, we're going to call them Native Americans. Right. And so we they, they call them a worse word, which is savages. And they believe that these people are uncivilized. They believe that these people are reckless and and they just need to be taken out. So once they're taken out and obliterated, once they're gone from this land, we can have access to the land and we can have access to the gold. So they enlist John Smith, right? Who has seen, um, but we haven't seen anybody say anything about traveling with John Smith. So to us, Right now, in this moment where he enters the scene, his reputation is built on a hype. It's built on the story. It is built on a passed down example of his victories. But we have not personally in in this part of the movie, we have not seen anything that would indicate that he was an expert, expert explorer. So what brings out the truth between hype and potency. What brings out the truth in the people who pretend to be grand and the people who actually are great in God? Like what is, what is the difference? You know, what's the difference? The difference is how they handle storms. When storms show up, they show up who, or they show who actually is in the boat. For instance, 
When we get into a storm that Jesus is walking on the water in, we see that there's a boat full of 12 disciples, but only one of them is brave enough to ask to come out of the boat and to do the same thing that he sees Jesus doing. And in that moment, we have differentiated that Peter is the one that isn't going to stick in the boat just because he knows that that's what you're expecting him to do. If he sees you doing something, Jesus, he's going to say, I'm going to ask a crazy question. Just let me go and do it with you. And it differentiated the scared versus the courageous. For instance, another instance, in a storm, we differentiate who is the leader in in the boat. For instance, when Jesus and the disciples are in another storm and they're on the boat together, Jesus is asleep. He's resting. He's chilling. And the rest of the people on the boat are panicking because it's a storm. It's a whole entire storm happening. And Jesus is downstairs sleep. And so instead of letting him sleep, they go downstairs and wake him up because one, they know he can do something about the storm, but they don't understand why he's not doing something about the storm at this moment, at this present moment. And they say to him, do you not care if we perish? And in all authority, he says to them, oh, ye of little faith, and then commands the storm to stop. Why? Because he's the leader. He did, he was resting in the storm because he knew that there was nothing. First off, there was nothing that would be able to stop his purpose from being accomplished. When you know your purpose, when you know that you're here and you're sent and you're commissioned to do something great, you're not concerned with storms. You actually thrive in storms. Storms really prove uh, that you're technically not succumbing to the, the winds and the waves and the atmospheres, but that you actually can speak to them and see them change. That you're not only a thermometer that's able to tell what's going on in the atmosphere, but that you're a thermostat because you can change what happens in the atmosphere. But only the only way we're able to see what's in you is that the storm brings up out of you what was already in. See, the fear was already in the disciples. That's why the storm had brought it up out of them. But in Jesus, there was no fear. There was only authority. So when he came or when he woke up, what came out of him was authority. That was what he rested in. That was what was in him. That was what he was full of. So storms will make sure that we see the truth. If you really are afraid, we'll find out in the storm. If you really are um, as great as people are saying you are, we'll find out in the storm because storms come not only to make you strong, but they come to prove that you are already strong. They don't come to um, make sure to say, okay, you know, this, this, this girl right here, this, this one right here, you know, I'm going to test her and I'm going to push her into another level of greatness. And it's not just for that. There are some storms that do that. There are some um, places where you'll have to walk through and it'll develop you a little better. But there are other storms that come and they prove that you've already passed the test. That you've already ascended into a place that is different than your last season. And so we ought to be grateful for storms because they can make sure that we aren't just living off of hype. That we aren't um, just believing every person that comes around and say they got the glory of God. I mean, because clearly you, you're going to have to engage with something in order for what's in you to be stirred and come up out of you. So a storm happens in the story immediately after they take off. So once they take off, we see the next scene is a storm. And Everybody on the boat is doing what they know to do, right? They're trying to make sure that the boat doesn't tip over. They're trying to make sure that the cannons don't come loose. And in the midst of trying to take care of everything, um, 
Thomas, who was a young sailor, ends up going overboard. Now, at this point, we have a storm within a storm, which means that not only is there a storm happening, but we have another problem in the middle of a big problem. So we've got to figure out what's the more important thing to deal with. And so for the sailors, the other sailors in the boat, they say, well, he's lost at sea. That ain't our problem no more. That ain't that ain't a big deal to me. He can just be gone as far as I'm concerned. I got to keep moving forward. I got, you know, family waiting at home for me to go on over here to this new lane and get this gold. So I ain't got time to be going back and trying to figure out how to get this man out of the water. But the leader on the boat realizes the importance of one person, one soul, one life. And he does not allow this one person to just stay on board, off board or get lost at sea. He says, I'm going to do what I have to do to save this one. Now, if we're going to talk about leaders, let's talk about the greatest leader of all. Jesus, his whole ministry was about saving the one. His whole ministry was about being focused on the deliverance of one to save many others. So, there was one blind man named Bartimaeus, right? And that one blind man was healed. And once he, people saw him healed, they came to know who he was because of the one that he took time to, to listen and heal, um, that he took time to uh, engage with and heal him. Then there was one guy who um, was dealing with a, a spirit, right? And, and he needed deliverance. And then Jesus decided to heal him. He took care of him and made sure that he didn't live his life caught in the wind and caught um, under the influence of evil spirits. So he set that one free in order to set many free. And so then not only do we see one man in a tomb being called out, we also see one woman at the well who is being delivered. We see one woman who touches the hem of his garment that receives healing. We see one man die on a cross and that one is to save the lives of many. Leaders realize the importance of one. They realize that if I have to do what I have to do and it, it ends up taking me out, I will go out being a savior versus being a coward. I would rather go out being a deliverer than being or then disregarding them. I, I've realized the importance. I will do it for the one. Just like, just like the scripture tells us. That Jesus, the good shepherd or a good shepherd goes and he, if he finds that in his flock of a hundred, that one is missing, he'll leave the 99 where they are and chance the fact that they'll scatter and go and get the one. Why? Because the one is important to him. Why? Because he trusts the fact that the 99 will be able to be in a, in a space and they'll graze in that space while he goes and rescues one. And that he doesn't have to worry about them wandering off because they know his voice. And that because they haven't heard him go anywhere else, they'll just stay where they are. And so if you are, if you are choosing to be a leader, um, and if you are called to be, not even choosing, if you are called to be a leader, you need to realize the value of one life, one soul, one voice, and saving the one saves many. So if I get into a place where um, 
and, and it doesn't even have to be deep. Maybe it's just that I give one person a smile. Maybe it's just that I speak an encouraging word to one person. Do you know how many people that one person can affect once their life is turned around? If you realize the power of one, you will never disregard another again. So let's move forward before I stay stuck in that preach. Um, <laughs> we're going to go on. We're going to go on. This is good stuff because there's so many more. Um, there's so many more gems in this story. So we have after that storm, it pulls out that John is is who he says he is. We we no longer have to believe the hype. We, we have seen that he's proved his worth as a leader. Right. So they go and they venture into the new land. And as they venture into the new land, we come into contact with the other group of people that they are about to meet, right? But before we do that, uh, we see a small scene with Governor Radcliffe, who is the guy that is in charge of this great company of Englishmen who are going into this new land. He comes to check to see if things are okay. Um, And once he realizes and thanks John Smith for saving Thomas, um, he encourages, inspires the men that they are going on a journey and it's going to be an amazing journey. And it's going to be one where they're able to access all of the great things that they have been promised. This new land is going to be a new start for all of them. And while he's doing all of this encouraging and it sounds really good and really kind, the only reason he's encouraging them is because he doesn't want them to go into a new land discouraged because they won't be able to dig up the gold for him. The only reason he is concerned about their spirits and their morale is because he knows that he can't produce out of panic and he can't produce. um, They can't produce, actually, because he's not doing a thing. He's not going to look for nothing. He's not going to dig up nothing. He's enlisted them to do it for him. And so he needs them to be in tip top shape. He needs them to be inspired, not expired, but inspired and encouraged, because if they're encouraged, they'll get the work done. If they're encouraged, they'll do what I asked them to do. If they're encouraged, I'll make sure that I get all of the gold and all the access and it'll all belong to me. And we must be careful when there are people that are around us that are only encouraging us because there's something in it for them. Because they get to profit off of our happiness, because they get to profit off of our productivity. And so we need to be very careful about the people we allow to speak, not only speak into our lives, but to engage in our lives. Right. To take something from us and who we submit our lives to, because they are unfortunately um, very, very, very evil um, people who have disguise themselves as sheep, but they are actually wolves. And so while the sheep, you know, tend to be not so bright and they, they tend to hang around and just, you know, need to be guided and led. Um, there have been some other animals that have disguised themselves as friends, but they are really just coming to take. They're just coming to devour. They're just coming to suck the life out of you. They they just they just want to make sure that you don't uh, leave with all the riches. That that if you're gonna dig up something, it'll profit them before it profits you. And that's not a relationship that you need to hold on to. That's a toxic relationship that you need to get rid of. Because anybody that comes into your life to only withdraw has the intention to leave your life bankrupt. The only reason 
that a person should be or should feel comfortable withdrawing from you is because they've built into you or they've put into you something that was sustainable for you. And then at the time that they need it, they know that you'll be available to encourage them as well. It's not necessarily a drainage system. It's called an exchange. A real friendship is more about an exchange than it is one person leeching off of the other. And so if you find yourselves in relationships and you're constantly drained and the conversation tends to to turn always to where you can't get an encouraging word from them, but you can always give one to them. If, 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 if the conversation is always about pushing them forward and never about pushing you forward, then you have, my friend have found yourself in a trap and it would behoove you to get away from them soon. But if your discernment isn't up and if you're not paying attention to conversations and if you're not leaning into the Holy Spirit that brings these things to your remembrance and actually warns you and gives you uh, guides and leads your steps and says, hey, 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 you might want to stay away from that. If you're not doing that, then you'll find yourself in relationships with people who are meant to rob you blind. They, I, I, I do want to encourage you. There are people that want to love you. There are people that want to build you up. There are people that want to exchange. And some of them want to build you up with no intention at all. They just, they just want, they just want to see you thrive. They just want to see you do well. And, and when you do well, it encourages them to do well and you can bounce each other out or ideas off of each other. And it's great. But for those other people, be very aware that the other people, not the ones that want to love you, but the ones that want to rob you are not going to stop robbing you. They're not going to stop being evil. They're not. That's their intention. For instance, you would not ask the enemy, Satan, you would not ask him to stop robbing you when you know his purpose is to steal, kill and destroy. That, stop. At, stop asking him to back up off of you. He's not. he's not, he's doing his job, right? He's going, he's doing what he knows to do to make sure that you don't ever acknowledge that there is something great in you, that there's something powerful at work at you in you. And if you stay focused on the people that rob you and not relieve yourself from those relationships, you will constantly drive yourself into a place where you have nothing else to pour. You'll constantly be running back to God and say, I don't know why I'm so drained. And he is like, girl, <laughs> guy, home slice, skillet biscuit, get away from them. They are the ones that are ruining you. I never sent them. I, I don't want you around them. And he will let you know who are those people that are going to drain you. Who are the people that are going to build you and who are the people that are assignments and who are the people that are leeches? He'll make sure that Holy Spirit brings those people, those things to the awareness. So if you continue, you can't say you didn't know. Now, these people didn't know because he had a good face. He could he could pretend like he was on their side and they didn't know the wiser. They didn't pay attention to the fact that he was actually playing them completely. Now, let's move on. Because we've got a whole nother group of people that we got to talk about. And these are actually the native people to this land. And although the Englishmen are coming to their space to rob them out of their space, they are actually returning from a war for their space. See, the last uh, war that they were returning home from 
was a war where they could uh, protect themselves from those that are coming to steal from them as well. So they they had already encountered people that were trying to upset the system that they had already set in place. If you look at the opening song for them or when we get past the credits, right, of Pocahontas and when we see these um, lovely Native American people, when we see them thriving in their own land, we realize that they have really found the system to sustain themselves. They don't need the other people outside. They have found a way to make sure that inside their own community, they have everything that they need. We look at this and to be honest, these two groups of people couldn't be any more different. We have one group of people the Native American people who are really thriving in their own community. People are lending their talents, their gifts, their skills, sets, all of that stuff in order to be able to make this community thrive. And on the other end of that, we have a community of people, a group of people from London who are not only coming to rob from them, but they have nothing to produce for themselves, right? So they're leaving their places and they're trying to rob someone else of what they have sustained for themselves. It's literally crazy that instead of making new worlds or partnering with these people, that they out and out just want to take something that already belongs to someone else. It's very ironic that they would go and be arrogant enough to walk on somebody else's land and say, this now belongs to me. When you have nothing but a flag. You're looking for something at this point. You you don't have any rights to this land. And I think sometimes we let people into our space and not only people, but their spirits. The Bible tells us in Ephesians 6 and 12, it says our struggle for our struggle. And this is the CSB version. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against cosmic powers of this darkness, against evil, against spiritual forces in the heavens. So that means that we could spend a whole lot of time fighting our brother and sister in the natural sense and miss the fact that behind it is a evil, wicked force that we have yet to address, that we have yet to see is the cause of the behavior in the natural realm. And so if we decide ever to take ourselves out of the fight with our brothers and sisters, we could probably see what's really at work. And so what they really, what we need to know is that there are spirits that are not only um, fighting for our future. They not only want us to not meet our purpose and goal and plan, but they want to stop us from doing the great things that God has called us to do because they know it delivers so many other people to see us do great works. And so sometimes we will find ourselves fighting and pushing up up against and trying to figure out why things aren't just working the way that they're supposed it's like why am I coming against so much like what is happening why is there so much resistance to what I'm trying to do and I'm trying to do it for you and you're praying God give me help God give me grace and he's like I already gave you keys 
I already gave you authority. And if you don't take the authority, it's not my fault. I gave you the ability to be able to bind and loose. And whatever you bind in the earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose in the earth shall be loosed in heaven. So start using your keys. Start using that authority. Now, what would have happened if the Native American people had said as soon as those people got off the boat, I'm so sorry, you are not welcome here. You have no rights. You have no authority. Go back home. What would have happened? What would it look like? Our whole lives would be different. But what would it look like for them? It would have looked like they were taking claim and ownership of something that they had built, something that had been invested. They had invested in. They had developed. And unfortunately, we sometimes don't guard the things that we have invested in and God has invested in us and God has developed in us. And we end up getting robbed. We end up getting taken for granted and we end up getting our possessions stolen and walked upon right in our face because they didn't do it. They didn't do it behind their back. They did it right in their face. They took ownership of their land right in their face. So we talk about, you know, these different groups of people and these groups, the Native Americans coming home from a war. And when they came home from the war, they were expecting to hug on their families and the chief comes and he doesn't see his daughter, Pocahontas. And when we see Pocahontas, she's standing at the top of a cliff and he, you know, the announcement about her is that she's just like her mother. She has her mother's spirit. She goes where she feels led to go. She follows the spirit, right? And while she's on this cliff, her friend who is in a boat on, on, in the water lets her know that her father's come home to get down there so that they could go and, you know, greet him. Well, instead of walking down the path that is normal, <laughs> down the hill and probably around to just get down safely, we see what kind of daredevil Pocahontas is in the first few moments of her being on screen. Because instead of going the safe way, she jumps off of the cliff free falls and fly and literally lands in the water, dives into the water. Now for us, it's a little bit extreme. You know, you could have used the little safe way, you know, just walk down like normal people. And even her friend said, show off because it's like, did you have to use that way? Well, yeah, she did. She absolutely did. See, we have to get out of the space or get out of the mindset of telling people who dare to do something different and dare to go in faith and dare to obey the spirit that they hear on the inside of them, right? And in in their culture, they say the great spirit, but we know the spirit, right, of God. When they follow the spirit of God, then we have to stop telling them that they're odd for doing it in an unconventional way. See, she was free falling, knowing that when she hit the water, that there was a certain way she had to hit it so that she wouldn't hurt herself. Um, But she was free falling in faith and she was free falling in the obedience of what she felt to do. And that's fine. I think it's actually more acceptable that she did it in an unconventional way because you got to see all of the grandness of her flying or free flying in the air, right? It was more beautiful to see her flying from the cliff 
and landing in the water than it would have been to see her walk down and <laughs> walk down the ma- mountain. And for most of us, God is calling us to free fall and do the same way and do something great and do something grand so that when people see us, they'll be like, whoa, that is something different. And when they see it, they will not be able to say, well, that's just a regular thing that, you, you know, or you could have just went the other way, but they'll actually be impressed. They'll actually be like, wow, that." I wouldn't have went that way. Wow. I wouldn't have trusted like that. Wow. I wouldn't have stepped out on that kind of faith. Wow. That's absolutely brave of you. Wow. You quit. You quit your job. You're nine to five to start a business and it's thriving. Wow. What a huge risk. And I'm glad it's working out for you. Now, what did you do to work, make it work out? And in that moment is an opportunity to bring people into faith in that moment of us free flying and it working out for us. We're able to bring people into our faith. But most of us would rather take the safe way. Most of us would rather walk down the mountain than trust that we won't die if we fly into the water. We won't die if we jump off the cliff. And if we land correctly, if we position our bodies correctly, we'll actually be fine if we if we land dive in the water. We'll be fine. But Pocahontas, again, she wasn't a natural kind of girl. She wasn't a do it the regular kind of way girl. Um, because her father, when she actually meets up with her father, her father, you know, she begins to tell her father that she's been having these dreams. And that something great is about to happen. And our father agrees that something great is about to happen. But for him, something great is her settling down with a young warrior named Kokum. And he is a very serious warrior, um, very skilled in war, but he is not necessarily what she wants to be around. See, a, a person who is really engaging um, and and really trying to be stop, spontaneous, trying to live their life on the edge will feel trapped by someone who has to follow the rules all the time. Um, <laughs> if <laughs> they will feel like they can, they're smothered, they can't go out, they can't do anything great, they can't free fly because as soon as they get to the edge of the cliff, you'll tell them that that's not the way that they should go instead of letting them try it. And so she looks at him and she says, but he's so serious because that's not anything like me. That, that's nowhere near anything that I would be engaging with. That There's no adventure there. Well, do you, it, it was almost like she wanted to say to her father, do you know me though? Do you, do you understand what you gave birth to? You understand who my mother was. And I think you're trying to make her, me my mother. I think you're trying to make my, me uh, marry somebody who is in war. Like she married you. You're trying to submit me to a plan for my life that I'm not sure I want. And he tries to convince her that the river that they're walking near is a steady river. And she should be like this river that is steady. The difference is Pocahontas has been on this river before. Pocahontas knows what it's like to ride further down than the father has traveled. And when she rides further down, we see that the the river isn't so still at all. It, it has a whole bunch of curves and, and a whole bunch of movement, but you have to go down it and flow with it long enough to get to the current. If you don't flow down long enough, it looks like it's still, it looks like it's not doing nothing. But when you get 
down the river where there's activity, where there is, uh, there are waves and where there's, where there's something going on. Then you start to say, oh, okay, it's not all just steady. It's not all just safe. And she has to choose the literally, um, in the boat, when she gets to a certain part of the path, she has to just choose, is she going to go the safe route or is she going to go the route with adventure? Is she going to go just around the river bend? Because if she travels a little bit further than what her father has told her is the path for her life, then that's going to be a little bit more rocky. It's going to, um, it's going to make her want to trust more or have to trust more. She's going to need to engage a lot more in faith. And so unfortunately, her father isn't happy um, about her being the way that she is. She, she, you know, it's a safe idea for her to marry Coco, but who says she was ever made to be safe? But unfortunately, this father is a chief as well as remember when we did Moana, the father of the chief wanted her to be in his way, wanted to do things her or wanted her to do things his way. And unfortunately, trying to submit your children or trying to submit people that are near you or following you to a way that only works for you, it limits them for finding the possibility that they can find on the journey that belongs to them. Now, I have people that relate to me as like I'm their friend, their big sister, their mentor, their all of these different things, right? And so I have to be very careful that I don't take things that were meant for me and limit it for them. So I, I can't say to uh, one of my good, good little sisters, I can't say that just because something is working for me, that it is a standard in her life. I can present it. I can say, this is how I do it. But you might need to see God to see if this way is the will for you. For instance, I have a friend um, and she's probably listening. Hey, Kimmy. Um, so, <laughs> so Kimmy and I, uh, we we have a, a really close relationship. And the great thing about Kimmy is that while everybody would ask me to pray for them, Kimmy was probably one of the only people who asked me to teach her how I pray. Now, it's not like I have a grand way of praying or I'm the best prayer because I really am not. Um, but she realized that there was something that she wanted to to inquire about and she didn't want me to just do it for her but she wanted to be able to sustain it herself and then when I showed her the way or a way that I do it I said to her but this is not the only way you're gonna have to find out what works for you and the greatness about her or the great part about her finding out what works for her is that she gets to approach God as her and I get to approach God as me. And even if we're doing some of the same kind of activity, or even if we're approaching in a similar way, or maybe, I, maybe she took one thing from what I shared. It's not going to be the same approach because we're two different people and we love God, but we engage God differently. And God hears her just like he hears me. I, I, and we have to begin to tell people that it's okay to approach God as you. It is okay to approach life as you. It is okay. Now, if you want to, to learn something or if you see somebody doing something and you admire how they do it, then that's fine. It's okay to inquire. But at the end of the day, God's going to have to cultivate in you 
something that was made for you. You cannot follow the path of least resistance just because it's the path that path that is safe. And you can't follow a path that was sent by a, a forefather or ancestor just because that was the way that they did it. Because God has no grandchildren. He's not looking for you to come like your mother. He's not looking for you to come like your auntie, your uncle, all of those people that you admire. He's not looking for you to come as them. He's looking for you to come as you. And the moment that Pocahontas decided that the river bend was a safe place for her, even though it was full of adventure, she found a great, uh, and it was, it was challenging, right? But she found a great space, right? She found the fun in falling down a waterfall. She found the fun in, in riding in the boat and just riding the waves. She found what was perfect for her by doing her, by not being submitted to what was good for other people. So we come upon Grandmother Willow, who is a tree, (laughs) but the spirit is speaking through the tree. Um, And she's speaking to Pocahontas and Pocahontas submits to her that there are two roads that she has to take and she has to pick and she doesn't know which one she wants to pick. She's unsure. And the grandmother does not tell her. Well, she does tell her that the guy Coco woman is kind of serious, same way that she feels. Um, but she does tell her that that she she has to listen to her heart and listen to the spirit. She says there are spirits all around you. You have to listen with your heart to know which way that you're supposed to go. And if you listen with your heart, you'll be able to understand. Now, here's my question. If there are spirits all around us. What spirit are we listening to? If we are listening to any other spirit other than the spirit of God, we'll find ourselves in a whole complete and total track at times. You might find yourself way off the plane of purpose and you even might find yourself going in circles because listening to every wind and wave of doctrine will keep you going until eternity. And again, remember, I told you you have a very real enemy that doesn't want you to um, engage with purpose. So it actually works for him for you to continue to go in circles and to listen to all of these different kinds of philosophies of who you should become and how you should engage and how you should spiritually elevate yourself and all of these different things that are presented. But they don't have any answers. They, they tell you to figure it out. <laughs> they, they don't offer any solutions they they tell you what you already know you're in the circle and you don't know where you're going and they can't help you get where you're going but you don't know where you're going yeah so you're gonna have to leave and and listen with your heart listen with your spirit listen to and use that discernment because I think that's one of the gifts that God gives that we don't really pay attention to we don't really give it its great due that it needs because we all need the gift of discernment we all need to be able to say "Mm -mm, that's not right Mm -mm." that's that's flowing in something else that i don't know what that is but it doesn't feel like the spirit of god it's not for my good it's not working for me it's working against me we need to be able to detect it because if we detect it we know how to speak to it if we can discern it we can know we can know how to engage with it But if we don't discern, 
that is for us or against us will forever be boxing the air because we won't ever have any clear instruction. And so we have to listen and engage with with my, one of my greatest friends, Holy Spirit leads me into all truth. Okay. And so I am very grateful for the gift of Holy Spirit because there are times where I have no idea what is going to happen next. And I'm like, all right, listen, <laughs> I'm not going unless you tell me which way to go. I'm not going to move unless you tell me which way to go. And I'll hear just the soft, still voice or I'll hear um, or Holy Spirit will show up in the word to me or he'll show up through a conversation with a friend. It's it's not limited to one way of speaking, but we have to be sure it's the voice of the Lord. That's the only thing that we have to discern. Is this the voice of the Lord? Does it match up with his word? Does it match up with his permi- his promises, his purposes? Can he go against his word? Absolutely not. So if it's not his word, then it's not him. If it doesn't match up with his word, it's not him. I have to make sure that I'm doing and saying and believing and engaging with only those things that lead me in the path of righteousness, that lead me in the path of his purpose and plan for me. Even if that plan is rocky, even if that plan doesn't look like anybody else's plan, I have to go in the plan with that was destined for me. So the Native Americans, again, because they agree and and engage with spirit realm, they get insight into what's coming. And what they realize is the people that are coming are very, (laughs) they're very, very, very violent, right? And they find out before they even meet these people that they are very, very reckless. And so what ends up happening is Kokoam, who is a warrior, responds the way that warriors respond. Well, let's go fight. (laughs) ain't a big deal to me let's just go in take care of them we gonna get them before they get us and the chief says something that really hit me and it made me think he said he said we can't treat this one like our last victory we knew our enemy there we don't know this enemy so what we need to do is take our troops to the water and observe them now This hit me so bad because unfortunately, because we have so much righteous indignation, when we see things go wrong, when we see things that are that are, you know, horrible and evil happening, we automatically want to jump on the defensive. But he said we can't assume victory just because we had it last. We have to be very wise about how we fight. And I think that if we took more time to observe the enemy that's coming at us. Again, we'd know how to speak and engage with it. But if we don't know how to engage and we go based off of the last victory, we'll end up missing the next level of victory because we weren't prepared for this fight. Now, granted, we have victory in Jesus and we're grateful for it, but we want to make sure that we are being wise because victories do not happen by accident. Every victory that happens is intended. Every victory that happens was planned by the people who prepared for victory. So they he tells them to get in position to pay, pay attention and that hopefully these people won't stay. Well, he's absolutely wrong because at that moment, Radcliffe has his little flag and he's standing on the land and he declares it Jamestown. So he is taking over a land that doesn't belong to him. And not only is he doing that, but he tells them to begin digging for gold. And it's not just begin digging for gold for us, 
but he begins to show the selfish side of him because the whole song is about this land being mine. This, this goal being for me, this, what you're about to do is to profit me. And unfortunately they didn't realize that he was basically telling them that he was playing them. He, he did not hide his selfishness during that song. He was like, it's mine. This whole thing is mine for the taking. I'm about to take up all of this. I'm about to dig up all, we about to dig up all of this and y'all going to dig it up so I can get all of the riches. I can get all the glory so that, you know, when I return back to London and they know about my uh, brush with greatness and that I found all this gold, then I'll be notarized and I'll be great and I'll be known and I'll be famous. And he's telling them about his selfish ambition and what do they do? Go along with the song and dance. They begin to dig even though they know his motives aren't right. Why don't we believe people the first time when they show us that they're wrong? When they show us that their intentions are not to help us, but to hurt us. Why don't we believe them? Why do we choose to keep working for people who we know are fueled by the wrong spirit? Why do we keep buying word from preachers we know don't study it? Why do we keep holding on to these things and systems that have long since expired? Why do we continue to engage with all of these things that do nothing but bring us down? Why do we do it? Because it's a part of the song and dance. It's a part of what we've always done. It's a part of what I know to do. And instead of challenging anything, I'll just go along to get along. Now, the selfishness not only shows up in him, but it shows up in John Smith because when it's in his part of the song, he's talking about this technically being another notch on his belt, another victory to add to his reputation. He's not in this for gold because he's seen gold before. He's not in this um, to explore the new land and, and to really do something good, but he's in this to bring his credibility up again. To add to his resume of all of the places he's been and all the things he's established. He's not doing it with good intentions either. Why do we follow him? Because he's known. Why do we follow him? Because he's got good a reputation. Why do we follow him? Because who else are we going to follow? No one challenges these two. They just let them rule and let them explore and let them do what they want to do unchallenged. And unfortunately... I wish we could say we challenge, but we tend to do the same thing. We tend to not challenge when we see things wrong and we just say stuff like, well, they just didn't know. And they've shown you multiple times that they did know that they did this on purpose, that it's not by accident. This is who they are. This is who they choose to be. Why do you keep engaging? Because unfortunately, we believe we can change people. Why do we like to change? Why? Why? No, you know, only God does that. God and the Holy Spirit that they, and they have to engage with God to do it. God is not going to force himself on anybody. They have to change. They have to want to change. They have to engage with change. <laughs> this is not a forced lifestyle. You have to choose. You have an opportunity. You have an option. You can either stay the same and do what you want. Or you can follow him, but following him means you're going to have to follow him into some places you're not going to want to go. You have to follow him into some lifestyle and out of some things that you actually might have liked to do. 
but you're going to have to choose and make a choice of who you're going to serve. But if you're going to keep up with the song and dance, then it, maybe it makes sense that you were robbed. If you keep up with the song and dance and don't challenge unruly authority or evil authority, then don't be surprised when they are manipulative and power hungry and greedy and they have ambitions and they choose to overlook your needs and desires and they want you to keep working because it profits them. Don't don't be ashamed. Don't and don't be panicked or shocked. Don't be don't be shocked at that moment. They showed you who they were. Believe them. Believe them completely. So John sets off on his exploration <laughs> to go and find or seek out this new land. Start kind of looking at what's you know what's happening around. He's, a, he's about to set his life up and see how he can take over this new area. And as he's doing that, he comes into contact with Pocahontas. And after a short, um, short, very short barrier of language where they couldn't communicate with each other, they start to be able to engage and learn each other's culture. So she teaches him how they say hello and he teaches her how they say hello and 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 she goes to teach him goodbye and he's like, well, I like hello. Can we talk about hello? Because he's, he's starting to realize that all the Native Americans are not savages because Pocahontas is one of them, but she she's one of that one of them that he wants to pay attention to and he likes her company. Right. And so as they are engaging and as they are talking, um, he starts what his true intention or what he wants to do comes out. And he says to her that he plans to upgrade the land that they are on, that he plans to bring the buildings that reach the trees <laughs> like they have at home over to their community. He's going to, they're going to revitalize the whole space. And Pocahontas is like, what, what do you, what do you mean? Everything is working the way it's supposed to work. Why would you ever come and come in and ch- how can you change something that doesn't belong to you? And he's like, Oh no, we taking it over, you know, and we're just going to show you a better way to live. Cause you don't know any better. And she was like, we don't know any better. Like, and he's like, yeah. Cause just, she was like savages. Now the word savage does not mean what he said it meant. He told her that savage was a word that meant uncivilized people. Well, when I looked up the word savage, I got fierce, violent, and uncontrolled, which none of the people that were in the Native American community exhibited. None of them exhibited that kind of behavior. If we're talking about people who could be viewed as savages, it would technically be the ev- the the Englishmen. I was about to say the evil men, but the Englishmen, <laughs> because they came in more fierce, they came in more violent, and they came in uncontrolled. And so, while she's she she's listening to him talk about what he plans to do, she opens up or she starts to sing about this colors of the wind. And I love this song. It is a beautiful song, but I really got to the depth of the meaning of the song while I was listening and watching um, this time. So she talks to him and says, first off, you think that you know more than me because you're different from me, but I have engaged the things that you want to change 
as they are. So I know what it's like to engage with animals and all you want to do is kill them. When he, when he saw that bear, in his mind, it was hunt time. And so he took out a gun to take it out. But she saw that the, this bear was not coming to attack them, that he that the bear was just living in its habitat and that the bear was trying to get home to its cubs. And when he realized that there was a way that the Native American people had engaged with nature um, that made it like we're all inclusive. Like I need nature to function at its best so that I can be my best. Then he kind of like laid off of the old customs of London, right? And tried to let her sing him through into a new mindset. Now, the one question that I had um, and, and heard was, how can wind have color? Because we we know that wind is very much invisible. You don't see it unless it's on something. You don't see it unless it's moving something, unless it's applied to something. Well, my answer came just right there. We see the color of the wind based off of what it is engaging with. So if the wind is engaging with a tree, when the way when the, the winds hit the tree and the leaves start to shake, we see the colors of the, the leaf shake and then we see the, the beauty. And if it's fall, we see a whole bunch of colors, right, of, of the leaves start to fall off the trees. And then we see um, we see the wind going in the flowers and we get to see beauty in the flowers. And color was not necessarily just talking about color, but it was talking about animation. It was talking about beauty. The, when wind is applied to something, it technically animates that inanimate object. So when wind is hitting a tree, again, the branches start to move and the winds and the, and the, the leaves start to shake. When it hits a flower, then it starts to sway from back and forth. Not so much when it hits a rock, but you understand what I'm saying. <laughs> when it hits the water, the water begins to move and, 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 and ripple out, right? But it's because... When wind is applied to something, it brings out the beauty of that thing. It brings out the beauty, the animation of that inanimate object. And so for us, the color of the wind would be when, oh good Lord, when we allow the Holy Spirit to really truthfully penetrate our lives, we become animated, living after the spirit and not only living after the spirit, but our animation brings out the beauty that God has already placed in us. See, when the wind hits the tree, it doesn't have to go get leaves. It already has leaves. When the wind hits the flowers, petals, it doesn't have to go and, and find petals. It already has petals. When the wind hits the water, it doesn't have to go say, okay, well, how do I make a wave? No, it's already in there. The capacity is already in it to become. But it isn't until the spirit hits it that it actually becomes. The same thing happens for us. When the spirit hits us, when the, when the spirit enters our life, when the Holy Spirit enters our life, we become the fullness of the beauty that is on the inside of us. And so when you see someone 
flowing in the spirit, when you see someone living in the spirit, not just not just doing work in the spirit, but living their life according to the spirit, you start to see, wow, there's so much great things that's coming out of them. I don't I don't know how they're able to produce so much. And it's it's just so so beautiful how they're able to bring so much forth. And I remember when they couldn't rub two dimes together, but now it's just everything great is coming out of them. What is happening? That they're, they're able to see all of this great stuff because they have engaged with the wind and the wind has begun to produce color. It has begun to produce animation and beauty and something great and beautiful to look at. What Pocahontas was saying to him is that in your effort to try to change what already is, you're missing the beauty in it being as it was created to be. You will always miss the beauty if you're trying to change it. If you just let it exist and let the spirit hit it, you'll see what it was created to do. You'll you'll see how it worships God. (laughs) You'll see how it honors God. All right, let's move forward because we got a a little ways to go here. But we're going to we're going to knock this out quickly. So Radcliffe is panicking at this point because the people who are digging aren't finding any gold. And they haven't been able to find any gold because there are none. There is absolutely no gold that in all of the stories that they were told that they would find this gold and it would be unlimited access. They were tall tales. And now not only is Radcliffe upset because he can't find it, but he's upset because there goes his dreams of being notable. And there goes his dreams of being remembered and famous and rich. And all of this time he's wasted time seeking after something that's profiting him nothing. John sneaks off to find Pocahontas, right? And after after he runs off with Pocahontas, she takes him to a safe place. He meets Grandmother Willow um, and they both try to talk about, you know, talk about what's going on and, and she encourages them that technically they're going to have to promote peace in their own camps on their own, right? So they try it. Each one of them goes, Pocahontas goes to her father and lets him know, like, hey, you don't have to go up against <laughs> these uh, foreigners. We can have a conversation and squash all of this. And the father's like, absolutely not. We're going to prepare ourselves for war because that's what we do. Same thing happens on the other side. John tries to tell them there's no gold. They're not going to be able to find it. And Radcliffe has in his mind that this gold is not necessarily being held because it's not in the ground. It's being withheld from them because the Indians have it or the Native Americans have it. And they have stolen it and they are keeping it to themselves. So the only way that they'll be able to get it is if they take out the, the Native Americans. Sometimes in your best um, your best attempts to try to engage with leadership um, and the old way of doing things, the old way has its own biases. They see from their old perspective and they don't necessarily sometimes, this is not all the time, but sometimes they can be very stubborn and not give in to try to make change to affect both parties. But they will always look out for themselves and what is best for the group that they lead. They, they're not necessarily looking for peace for all, but they're looking for peace for them. 
(laughs) And it's unfortunate that we have technically gotten stuck because people cannot get beyond their own biases. They can't get beyond their own traditions. They can't get beyond their old beliefs. And some of them things are not biblical and and it's denominations based off of one verse. And unfortunately, we can't come together as a body because we're too busy trying to engage with whatever group we want to engage with that week. And instead of realizing that we are all the body and we all need each other, we tend to buck up against each other to protect our own rules so that our way will be preserved. Well, again, grandmother says something very, very, um, very, very poignant. She says, look at the ripples in the water and you see the touch of the water. And she says it starts out small, but they make a big difference. It's a small touch of the water, but the ripples go out and they start off small. But then each each ripple it's a small action, but each ripple goes out. And, and it goes out and it goes bigger and it goes bigger and then it affects the whole water. Well, the same thing was going to happen with what they were. she was trying to get them to do. It's like, John Smith, you're going to go have to talk to one of the leaders, right? If you talk to one of the leaders in the Native American community, it's a small ripple, but it'll make a big difference. And so he decides to come into agreement with the plan that they are both going to get both sides to comply and make peace. Well, when they do that, because they are engaging and, and really are romancing each other, then they don't want to be without each other. They end up kissing and they kiss and get caught kissing. They get caught kissing, not just by one person from one side, but they get caught from one person from both sides. So Kokoam, who was looking to find Pocahontas, finds John Smith kissing Pocahontas and attacks him. And he's hitting him with his weapon and he's trying to just knock him out and trying to, you know, take him out. And all of a sudden, when Thomas sees this, because he was told by Radcliffe to follow John Smith. And if he saw an Indian, that he was going to have to become a good soldier and take it out. Right. So he said, if you see a savage, take them out. Right. So he he had already planted in his mind that if you see a savage or what they know as savages. Right. If you see a savage, then you're going to take them out. And that's going to be our way to make sure that we are taken care of. We're going to get what we have to get. This is we're going to use this. We're going to capitalize off this. We're going to get what we have to get. So when Thomas sees John get attacked, he shoots his gun and ends up killing Kokoam, which is the first act of violence against another community. Now, in that act of violence, of course, Pocahontas is upset because he did have to kill him. But what John does is what he's done for him twice. And he saved him from the water the first time. And this time he saves them from the punishment of dying at the hands of the Native Americans. And he decides to tell Thomas to run back to the community and that he would take the brunt in the fall of the death of Kokoam. So once Kokoam dies, they have sentenced John to death. And John is tied up. Pocahontas is upset because not only does she have the burden of one death on her, which is Kokoam, but she has the burden of two deaths because in the morning they're planning on killing the guy she actually loves, John John Smith, according to this movie, right? 
So <laughs> he tells him to leave, saves his life twice. Uh, Pocahontas is dealing with this burden and she tells her you know, friend and her friend gets her in the room one more time to just engage with John one last time. And she goes and she sees him. And John says something that I think every, oh, it was just so, just so beautiful to hear. Um, she was saying, a Pocahontas said to him, I wish we had never met. And John says to her, I'd rather have met you. I'd rather die tomorrow than live a hundred years without knowing you. Whoo! Talk about impact. Talk about love. Talk about somebody that cares about you. He said, I would take this route again. What does that mean? The journey, the rough road, this way is a is a rough patch. But I would rather go down this road than go down the safe one. He was already decided that this road, it was a, it was a difficult road, but it was the most impactful road for him because it involved being with Pocahontas. Now, Pocahontas has a decision to make because at this point, she doesn't know how she's going to stop it, but she knows she knows that she should do something to stop them from killing John. Now, in the other camp, Radcliffe uses this opportunity to rile the guys up because he's like, okay, they've captured John, we've got to get him and we've got to make sure that he's taken care of. And if he's taken care of, then we're good. If he's not taken care of, we're going to fight. And since they're going to try to kill him, we're going to kill them and it's going to be a whole war. Let's do it. He capitalizes on this moment to get the people who would normally probably not fight on his behalf because there's been no gold to speak of. But he capitalizes this to tell them that the Native Americans have the gold. And if we take them out, then we can get the gold. So they get all of themselves together, riled up and ready to fight. And these two different people are standing on the other side of each other, ready to fight each other for what? (laughs) For a misunderstanding, ready to fight each other for a mistake, ready to fight each other because they had biases they were not willing to get over. And because somebody's death had to be avenged in in the side of the Native Americans and because because they were going to kill John and then then this going to be a full out war. Well, in the beginning, I told you Pocahontas had a dream, but her dream was that an arrow was spinning. We didn't know it was the arrow of the compass that um, John Smith had, you know, well, not necessarily given to her sidekicks, but her animal sidekicks took it from him, right? But that, when she received the compass, it started to spin and the arrow was to show her in which way that she could, she was supposed to go. But when the arrow stopped, it led her in the direction to run to stop the execution of John Smith. At the moment that her father is about to bring the hammer down and literally take him out, she leans her body all over him and says, if you're going to kill him, you're going to have to kill me. Isn't it awesome that this man who had saved two lives or who had saved this other guy two times, who had saved his life, this other guy who killed the person that he was taking the fall for, that somebody was willing to step into balance and say, Mm-mm, this is not how this is going to end. No, I'm going to step in and make sure his life is spared as well. It's because when you do the right thing, 
for the right reasons, not because you want to be known, but, but just because you know the value of life and you would rather sacrifice your life so that others can have life, then someone does the same for you. It, this is, this is a principle of sowing and reaping. Whatever you sow, you also there reap. And so if you sow sparingly, you reap sparingly. In this instance, he had saved this guy's life twice, right? Saved him from punishment twice. It was only fitting that there was somebody to stand in the gap for him to make sure that his life was spared as well. So at that moment, when he, when the chief sees his daughter, he's calling off everything because he's not going to harm his daughter. So he calls off killing uh, John Smith. But Radcliffe, who is still evil, wants to make sure that he takes them out because now they're unarmed. Now they now they're giving up the fight. We can just take them out. So he goes to shoot because <laughs> he tells them to shoot and they don't. But he goes to shoot and he shoots at the father. And John does what a leader does again and jumps in front of the bullet so that it does not hit the father, which lets the father know the father chief know that he was never, ever intending to hurt them. Or in that moment, once he fell in love and he wanted to make peace, he was actually serious about making peace. And so he had saved, he saved his life. And then the people in the English community begin to see that really they, they saw at this moment that the Indians or the native Americans were not trying to harm them, um, that they were trying to peaceably exist and that they didn't have any odd against them. They were just trying to protect their land and they were trying to protect their people. And so they had to do away with Radcliffe. They had to get him out of there because he was the one that was making them toxic. When you find the person that's trying to make you toxic, you have to cut them off at the root. You have to make sure that they are removed because if they don't remove, they'll poison your whole circle. If you find one toxic strand, cut it loose. It's okay. They will Listen, it will be fine. You will recover. I know you love them, but you have to let them go so that they can grow and get all of the, th- the things that they need, even if it's healing, even if it's correction, whatever they need, they have to be loose from you to get it. <laughs> so loose them so that they can get what they need and loose yourself so that you can get what you need. So we find that, you know, he's, he has to go home now because John Smith is hurt and he, and, you know, they're going to take care of him. They're going to board their books and go back to where they're from. And as they're leaving, he wants Pocahontas to come with them. And she says, no. And he wants to stay with her. And she says he can't. And it's ironic that because we would think that just because they fell in love, that they were meant to be together at that present moment. But it wasn't time. And if it's not time, why are we trying to force ourselves in a direction that is not for us yet? Because she knew that there was something that she had to do at home. That had to be taken care of at home before she could ever engage with a new world. It wasn't that she didn't want to go with him because she she ran to the edge of the cliff as far as she could go to see him off. So she wanted to be with him, but she didn't want to be with him out of time. And I want to know if there are some, some people that have been struggling with the timing of 
God's plan in their lives. Like, okay, Lord, is it, is it time yet? And God's like, all right, well, I need you to do these things to prepare for that first. And you're like, but, but I want that first. I want that now. Like, I don't, I don't want to have to prepare. Like, can't we prepare on the way? Can we, can we, can we prepare? And God's like, why are you in a rush? Why, why are you trying to get to purpose? Why are you trying to get to a certain space in purpose? Why are you trying to get to a certain relationship, a certain job, a certain place in a career? Why are you trying to rush there without the tools to be what you need to be and become what you need to become in order to thrive in that place? There is no rush. You are following the river and it will flow as it needs to flow. You don't have to rush. You don't have to push yourself. You don't have to um, speed yourself up. Follow the cadence of obedience and faith. If you follow in faith, each step that you take, God will let you know what the pace is, where where you're supposed to be, what he's asking you to do. He's going to make sure that you're cultivated. And even even if you get off track, even if you go the wrong direction, even if you choose um, to, to be too slow or to not move when he asks you to move and you, you sometimes, because we all do it. We are not all perfect. We don't always get it right all the time. Even in the moment that we mess up, he's still going to find a way to love us right back into the place that we were always supposed to be. If we let him, if we allow allow him to love us down the right path and we keep our ears and hearts open to listen to Holy Spirit, we will find the adventure that we have always wanted and that God has always planned for us just around the river bend. That was a lot and a whole bunch um, of digging. And I am very grateful. I didn't come up with any gold, but a whole bunch of faith gems. So I'm grateful to be able to share my journey with you around the river bend. So we've got about five episodes left of Kid Like Faith for this season. We're going to do two more Kid Like verses and they'll be coming up in the next two weeks. After that, we're going to do three more Uh, Disney movies and after that we'll be wrapping up season one but don't worry I'll be back for season two and we've got so many more uh, faith gems for you so make sure that you are one following us on both Instagram and Facebook at kid like faith we spell faith f the number eight th and make sure that you if you have any requests for a movie please hit me up at kid like faith at gmail.com faith f H. Please make sure you do it because I would like to see if you have any movies that you want me to hit before season one is out. Now, I'm excited about what we've done already and I'm excited about how we've engaged with each other so far, but I want to hear more from you. So um, you're going to get your Thursday tidbit. You're going to get a probably a little bit of um, information on Friday or feedback Friday and we're going to do our verses on Friday as well so I'll make sure that we post those up so you're able to choose your uh, favorite uh, Disney movie between our challengers this week and I'm not going to tell you who you who they are why because I like surprises okay so I hope that you have enjoyed this episode I'll be looking forward to hearing from you and until next time make sure you keep your faith kid like Bye!